Hi, this is Randy Backman with another Vinyl Tap Podcast. Stories about some of the greatest rock and roll songs ever. Put on your seatbelts and get ready for a ride in the rock and roll time machine. We're going back over decades now. We're going to celebrate music from yesterday and today and glue it together with some stories and memories. And I'm going to play you songs I like to listen to in my car. I usually drive in silence with music in my head. And then when that gets boring, because silence is kind of boring, I have this list of songs, and I'm going to play them for you now, and, and I hope you enjoy them. I think you will. The first song is by a band called Ace. The lead singer and the song was written by Paul Karak, who's a really great guy. Uh, he also was the voice in Mike and the Mechanics. And uh, this song was released in 1974. Rod Stewart did a version of this song. Phil Collins did a version. The thing I like about it is it's no big deal. It's just a very nice, smooth song that you can sing along with. It's kind of like a Beatles song. It starts with a chorus, like, help, I need somebody, or she loves you. Yeah, boom, you're right into the chorus. You can sing this right away. It only has one verse, which is amazing. But the way it's formatted, you never really know that, so you listen real close. You'll be singing along to this. It starts out with 12 bars of boom, 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 and everybody knows that intro. It's not a big chord like Hard Day's Night or Day Tripper and Chuck Berry intro. It's just this rhythm thing. So sing along, here's Ace. How long has this been going on? That was How Long Has This Been Going On? And those of you who think, like I first thought, it's of a guy cheating on his lady, it's not. It's a guy who's in a band who's not happy with the band. And he sneaks out at night and goes on auditions and jams with another band. And then he finds out, and the song is called How Long Has This Been Going On? So that's really a cool idea for a song. This next song, I'd hear it on the radio, and I'd crank it up, and I never knew who it was. It's such a great early 70s Zeppelin-esque kind of song. And I would crank it up, and the DJ would never backsell it and say who it was. So I'd hear it, and then I'd hear it a week later, a couple of weeks later. Finally, I found out it was a band called Styx. And I had done many gigs in the 70s with BTO and Styx. They came out of Chicago, formed by the twin brothers Chuck and John Bonozo. And their second album was called Lady, which was a great song. And they were kind of a ballad band. They had a song called Lorelei and Lady. And... To put this heavy rock song with them, I found it really quite incredible. My good buddy Lawrence Gowan, who's a Canadian guy, who had his, all his own hits with I'm a Strange Animal. Strange Animal, Lawrence Gowan. He's been with uh, Six uh, since 1999, so he's been there a long time. Here we go. Listen to how cool this song is and how Zeppelinist it is. It's Six. It's called Renegade. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh mama, I can hear you are crying, you're so scared and all alone. That was Renegade by Sticks, and now we're gonna move on to another song I absolutely love by John Waite, and he was on a band called The Babies. And uh, they had a couple of hits on their own, but when John Waite left, everybody thought 
It was the end of his career, but it wasn't. It was the beginning. John Charles Waite is an English musician born on the 4th of July. He co-wrote this song from an album called No Breaks. I did a couple of gigs with him last year, and I just stood at the side of the stage and sang along with this song called Missing You, John Waite. Every time I think of you That was John Waite with Missing You, and now one of my favorite Beatles songs, the opening track from Rubber Soul. I remember when I first heard the Beatles album going to be called Rubber Soul. Like, what the heck does that mean? Why do these guys have such weird album titles? Because there was never a song called Rubber Soul. Usually you call the album the big song that was on it. You called it that, and it sold the album and the song. But this was the opening track in 1965, Rubber Soul. And being the opening track, it started out with an incredible guitar run, and then this this other lick where the bass and guitar played the same thing over and over and over, and John Lennon and Paul McCartney sing in a funny harmony, where one's singing the root and the other one's singing the seventh note, and it just it creates enough tension. It's almost like when you're doing chopsticks, that dun 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 dun. dun. Those notes together create tension, and then when the when they go away, it's a release, tension release. So I believe Paul McCartney's playing the solo on this song. And John Lennon said he hated every word in the song, but they got him to sing it, and it's a Beatles classic. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. The Beatles, 1965. That was Baby You Can Drive My Car by The Beatles. Gonna get to a buddy of mine whose name is Gordy Johnson. I first saw Gordy backing Molly Johnson on a stage in front of much music in the streets in Toronto. He was playing an incredibly cool and rare Epiphone double cutaway red guitar. And I was attracted to the guitar immediately and his guitar playing was cool. And then I heard he had a band called Big Sugar. I got to meet him, he became a buddy of mine, and I invented a thing called the Herzog, which is a preamp with two 12x7 tubes, and that got me my guitar sound for American Woman in no time. It was my, my own guitar sound. And then Gordy went and bought a couple of these, and he plays each of them through a 3,000 watt crown amplifier through a PA bottom. He's gotta be the loudest guitar player of all time that I've ever met and known. This is one of my favorite songs from an album called Hemivision, 1996 written by Dan Gallagher, Andy Curran, and Big Sugar's Gordy Johnson. So this is for Gordy, the loudest guitar player in the world. Big Sugar was formed in 1988 by Gordy. He was born in Winnipeg. He's got the credentials. All right, this is a loud rockin' song, Big Sugar, digging a hole.
That was Gordy Johnson digging a hole. I've seen this guy play many times. His name is Paul Young, born in the mid-50s. He's still active with a new album. And uh, here's a song that he covered. This was written by Hall and & Oates, and they had the original version. But he did an incredible version of this song. Paul Young is a great, this is one of the greatest vocals of all time. And this has a great, great, great bass player, Pino Palladino, I've seen many times playing a fretless bass. He now plays with The Who. So if The Who are live on stage, you'll see Pino Palladino is one of the top uh, bass players out of England to do it. So here we go with Paul Young, Every Time You Go Away, one of my favorite songs, 1985. Every time you go away, Paul Young, and now we're going to go to the Motor City. And we're not playing Motown, we're playing rock and roll. Detroit really had some incredible rock and roll bands. The MC5, you know, Alice Cooper, uh, Bob Seeger, people like that. And this band formed in Detroit in 1977 by Wally Palmar. They're called the Romantics. I love this song. I go to Aquafit three times a week at the pool here in Sydney, and this song is on the playlist. Besides, I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500, which I'm totally sick of, but I never get sick of this song. The Romantics, this first you want when you're on the gym in a treadmill or in the water doing aquatics. Talking in your sleep, The Romantics, 1983. <laughs> Romantics with talking in your sleep. I've seen the Rolling Stones many times, and the last time was in Toronto. I understand they're on tour right now, which is amazing. Every time you see the Stones, you would wonder at how great and solid Charlie Watts was on drums. This was the one song that he didn't play drums on when they're live. They just put on a loop, and Charlie gets to leave the stage because he's there playing all night long, a two and a half, three hour set and the rest of them come and go. So they just put on the loop and they played this song. I think Mick Jagger is one of the greatest lyricists in rock and roll. Every one of his songs tells an incredible story. Sometimes it's a trite story and sometimes it's very, very deep. And if you listen to this one, we all know this story. The angel who fell. God had all these angels. There was good ones. There was Gabriel, the good angel. And then there was Lucifer, the bad guy, the kid who made the bad decisions that was thrown out of the family. They call him Lucifer. This, if you listen to the lyrics in this song, it was amazing. It was featured in the film by the same name called Sympathy for the Devil. It was directed by Jean-Luc Godard and was his first English language film. It was performed by the Stones and voted 106 on the Rolling Stones' greatest, Rolling Stone magazine's greatest songs of all time. It was on Beggar's Banquet. 
Jagger said the inspiration from writing the song came from just thinking about the devil and this guy's whole life. And he was there when Napoleon Bonaparte did that. He was there when this happened. He was there when the Holocaust happened. He was there when the floods happened. Listen to the lyrics on this. Here's the Rolling Stones with Sympathy for the Devil. And by the way, you can sing along because everybody knows, woo, 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 woo. We all did it live. It was a lot of fun. We all stood up. I stood up and danced and did the woo, woo. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul and faith. I was around when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. Me damn sure the pilot washed his hands. That was a Rolling Stones with Sympathy for the Devil. You're listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap. Here's a great song that I love. It's got a great hook. It's one of the ones I wish I had written. It was written by my buddy Tom Cochran. And it is called Life is a Highway. And it's had a couple of lives itself. It had its first life with Tom Cochran. And then it was recorded by Rascal Flatts and put in the movie Cars, which went on to sell another 3 million copies. So this is Tom Cochran's big song, right? Life is a Highway by him. And it's his taking care of business, right? That's my song. So here's Tom Cochran uh, from his album called Mad Mad World, 1991. Great guitar hook and a great song. And Molly Johnson is screaming in the background. Here's Tom Cochran. Life is a highway. That was Tom Cochran with Life is a Highway. And I just finished touring last year with Burton Cummings as Backman Cummings. It was a great show because we did about 28 or 30 songs. I'm doing all the BTO hits that I've done, and Burton's doing all his solo stuff and his Guess Who stuff. So it's been a great show. We closed the PE Pacific National Exhibition this last September, just before everybody went back to school and back to work. And it was a wonderful show. I took my Gretsch on stage there and held it up over my head. The audience went nuts and cheered the guitar. I played it on the first couple of songs, which was No Sugar and Clap for the Wolfman. And a lot of people in interviews asked Burton Cummings, what is his favorite song of the Guess Who? And when he said the answer, it was also my favorite song. We wrote it together, it's called No Time. Neil Young had left Winnipeg and started Buffalo Springfield. Uh, I loved the Buffalo Springfield, I bought their albums. And when I bought the second album, my name was on the back in the dedication, along with a bunch of other names. And I was thrilled that Neil Young had done that. And when I put it on, I loved the Buffalo Springfield because the, the guitar interplay with Neil Young and Stephen Stills and the way they each sang their song, and Richie Fiore also, they had three lead vocals, three guitar players. They're an amazing band. They actually were the forerunners of the Eagles as far as you know, band members go. And Burton and I wrote this song to be like Buffalo Springfield. We wanted to rock, and we started with a ballad, These Eyes, and another ballad, Laughing, and then Undone, which is kind of a Boston Nova thing. And then, bam, we suddenly did No Time. This was Canadian, Prairie, Winnipeg, country rock. Burton's favorite song, my favorite song. We liked it so much, we recorded it twice. It was on the Canned Wheat, our second album. It didn't turn out that well. And we also read the Beatles recorded songs two and three and four times. We figured, what the heck? 
We recorded it again. It's on the American Woman album. Here we are, the guest who, 1969, No Time Left For You. to the Vinyl Tapcast. For a full list of songs played, visit randybackman.com slash vinyl tap and then hit the link. I'm Randy Backman and we're going to end this week's show with something special. Last month was amazing. I was invited to join the Rock Legends cruise out of Fort Lauderdale. It was really, really cool. On the cruise was Roger Daltrey, Deep Purple, Walter Trout, Kentucky Headhunters, all kind of guys who I've known for years. It was great to see them all again. And uh, I got interviewed by a good friend of mine for many years, Sal, and I don't even know how to say his name, Sirixioni. He's a veteran, and he's been on 10 rock legend cruises. In fact, I remember him three years ago when we did the cruise again. And when he's not on a cruise, he's at home in New Jersey. I was doing a sit-down with maybe a couple hundred people in a beautiful lounge on the cruise ship. And Sal came in, there's a little stage at the front, and he asked me questions about my life, my career, my lost Gretsch guitar, and then we took uh, questions from the people in the audience. It was really great. Sal began asking about my lost Gretsch guitar, so I told him the story, which is an amazing story to me, so it has to be amazing to everybody out there and to you right now. 2016, we were in the theater, you, Peter Frampton, myself. Peter told us this story about recovering his black Gibson Les Paul, which had been on the, uh, which is on the cover of Frampton Comes Alive. And here we are, seven years later, and uh, the big story last year took place on July 1st, Canada Day. You were, you were reunited with one of your first loves, and uh, I'm just going to turn it over to you, and if you could tell us this wonderful story of what transpired between you and your orange wretch. In the late 50s, in Winnipeg, where I grew up, there was a couple of bands, the Guess Who, which had Alan Reflections, Neil Young and the Squires, Burton Cummings and the Devrons, Fred Turner and the Rockin' Devils, and there was no guitar stores, there was a music store. You probably remember this, they sold pianos, sheet music, reeds for flutes and flutes and, and reeds for saxophones and everything else, and if they got in a guitar, it was a big deal, because they basically sold pianos and organs. So this orange Gretsch guitar came in and they put it in the window, and then two of them came in. There was two Gretches. One had DRMans, one had Filtertron pickups. This was a 1957 guitar. I had to save up my money. They were $400. I bought the one with black pickups. New Young bought the one with gold Filtertron pickups. I learned to play on mine. I learned to write all my songs on it. And I played on those songs on all the records. So from these eyes right through American Woman, right through Taking Care of Business, that's the guitar on those records. Uh, then it was stolen in 1976 from my hotel room in Toronto. Early in the morning, it's checkout time. So my roadie had taken my guitar, which I never let out of my sight for, since I had it. He took it out of my sight, took it to the room, left it in the room, went and paid the bill, went back five minutes later, the guitar was gone. That started me on a quest of searching for that guitar for over 40 years. And I finally gave up. What she was headed for It was too late 
diamonds of She found a mountain that was far too high more of my chat with Sal to come. I'm Randy Backman, and this is Vinyl Tap on your favorite rock station. During the COVID lockdown, which nobody thought was going to last more than a week or two, my son Tell and his uh, fiance Coco, she had a uh, shop in Victoria where she did a hair and makeup, and she was doing hair and makeup for a movie in, in Victoria. And they got shut down because of COVID. And she called me and she said, Hey, we're all, we're all getting paid a salary. And uh, we haven't worked for a week. I've got three sound men and three cameramen. Why don't you and Tal do a YouTube? I, said, I don't want to start doing that. She said, look, we have nothing to do. Let's just do one YouTube. I said, I don't know what to do. She said, get a bunch of songs. And you and Tal play, play songs that aren't your own and have some fun. Be like a bar band. Be like Wayne's World. So we got together and I said to Tal, we don't really have time to be here. You bring five or six songs. I'll bring five or six. We'll see what happens. So he brought five or six songs, which he was familiar with. Now, you got to remember, when I was 25 years old when he was born, so there's a 25-year age difference. So we started, we did the first one, and I said that was absolutely terrible. It was a train wreck. It was full of mistakes. Emails start to come in saying, we love seeing you guys making mistakes because we know that everything that is on the radio is perfect, that you guys sing the the song 20 times you pick the best version or the best words you pick the best solo and to see you actually out there struggling starting in the wrong key changing keys making mistakes we love to sit there with our guitars and play along with you and on one of these youtube's live you do a youtube live down the side of the screen is a black strip and people will type in live nice shoes bad hair lousy song whatever and one of them said i found your gretch and I said to Tell, get a hold of this guy. So Tell contact this guy, his name was William Long. He had nothing to do except sit in his basement because I've shut down. And then he Googled it and he found that it was a guitar. And he found that it was mine and it had been stolen. It was orange, it had black pickups and everything. And I, then he found the BTO version of Looking Out for Number One on YouTube where I'm playing that guitar. So he took a close up of that and he froze it. And then he did facial recognition of every orange grass guitar sold in the world in the last 15 years. This took this guy a couple of weeks. And then out of the blue, we get a message from a Zoom showing my guitar with the frozen thing with me playing number one. And this guy in Japan, in Tokyo, named Takeshi, who's about 33 or 34, he's like the Japanese Brian Setzer. He plays rockabilly, but he doesn't know any English, so he sings phonetically. And obviously I can't talk to him, but when I see the guitar, I know it's my guitar. Because of Eriko being from Japan, she emails this guy Takeshi, gets his website. He then comes on a Zoom and shows me the guitar. So this is a big deal. After 47 years, he's got my guitar. And Takeshi says to me, I saw this guitar in a store. I didn't go to buy it. I went to buy a white Stratocaster like Jimi Hendrix or a red SG like Air Club, and he said, uh, so I tried five or six guitars, I didn't like them. And on the way out, I heard a voice. And I looked around, there's nobody there. But I looked up on the wall, there was an orange guitar above the door. And I stood in front of this guitar, and it spoke to me, it said, take me home. I'm, I am magic, I can help you make music. I've written many hit songs. So he buys this guitar. And uh, which is all being done translated by Coco, like for me on, on the. And so he says, um, I feel that I was born to look after your guitar. I feel that I've been keeping it for you safe. I'll give you back the guitar. And I said, Great, I'll give you a brand new Gretsch. He says, I don't want a brand new Gretsch. 
I want a puppy from the same litter, okay? He wants a guitar from 1957. They only made like 30 that year with the German pickup, then they switched pickups to the other pickups halfway through the year. And I say, okay. And I thought, how can I do this? I've got to get a 57 guitar that's mint, no, no mods, no repairs. I call a friend of mine named Gary in Loveland, Ohio. Gary's vintage guitars. He says, I've got three of them. And so he called, this was over Thanksgiving two years ago. So I wait till he gets in Monday. He called me, he says, here's some pictures. And I say, that's the one. And he sends me the guitar. And then we show it to Takeshi. And he says, yes, I'll trade you that guitar. The serial number is two off of mine. So it's a puppy from the same litter. It's from the same week. The same guys made it. They painted it orange. Everything is the same. I said, great, send it to me. He said, I'm not putting this on a plane. He said, I must come to Japan. I said, oh, good idea. Of course, we can't go to Japan. We can't leave Canada. So in the middle of all this, we're wondering, how do we get my guitar? So this is going on and on. I want to get the guitar. And on one of our YouTubes, we got a message from a guy who's from Canada, who's the Canadian ambassador to Japan. He's in Tokyo. He suggests we come there and do it on Canada Day because he's now been ambassador for two years, but he hasn't done an ambassadoring because when he got there, they were shut down. So he sets it up for Canada Day, last July the 1st. And uh, we go there a couple of weeks early. I say, I want to meet Takeshi. They say, you can't. I want my guitar. You can't. We've got to wait till Canada Day when you walk on stage just being filmed for a Netflix thing. We're calling it a rockumentary. They wouldn't let me see Takeshi or see the guitar until I walked on stage and it was being filmed because they said, there's no second take on this. You're not an actor. We want your voice and your body language. We want your face. So we went and did the switch in Japan and the guitar is truly magic. So the story of that guitar continues. It'll be a documentary. Tell and I recorded an album that we call Backward and Backward, which is the name of our train wreck, Backward and Backward train wreck. And now with my new guitar, which I wrote so many number one songs with, the guess who in BTO, Tell and I are writing the closing song to be over the closing credits of the guitars, Lost and Found. It's going to be called Lost and Found, the magic guitar. And now that I've got this guitar back, will it be like Dumbo's magic feather? Remember he put it, he could fly. Will I have another number one hit with this song? Because I had, you know, Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, These Eyes, American Woman, all with that guitar. Will I have another one? And I don't care if I have its number one on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, <laughs> as long as people get it and recognize the thing. So that's the story of the guitar. Final Tap, I'm Randy Backman, and there's more of the Rock Legends Cruise coming up. I'm chatting with Sal C. I'm going to call him Sal C. And he began this segment by asking about my family. Randy Bachman, you mentioned your fam or Bachman, actually. You, you say Bachman, we say Bachman. That's your the you way see that shirt? shirt? There you go, Bachman. Ba yeah. Our new band with me and Tell is called Bachman and Bachman. <laughs> so we cover. I used to say I'm Randy Bachman from Bachman Turnover. I always just say our band is called Bachman and Bachman. Okay. You got it covered. Well, you pointed out family members. This is your daughter here, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember you you came with her to my daughter, uh, my daughter, my daughter. And Tal and Coco got married in Tokyo after the ceremony, and I went to the ceremony. You could see this picture of me in this 
Japanese, what a kimono and the hat and everything, unbelievable. It's a 3,000 year old ceremony that you're dressing in for this Japanese thing. I didn't understand a word, either to tell, I don't think, but Coco did, okay. It was a wonderful experience. The longest sentence in the English dictionary I do. Well, so you've pointed out the family members and I understand that, you know, you have, it's become a family business for you. Uh, that you've got everybody who are all kind of working together towards the same goal now. Well, out of, the, out of the blue or kind of out of necessity, when the internet started to really become something, my daughter over there, Lorelai, calling said, somebody needs to do your social media, your Facebook. I said, I don't even know what that is. I don't have time for that. So she started to do it, and she does it all the time. And then I've heard her say in the last two or three years since she's been doing she learned more about me in the last three years than she did in, in, in 40 years of being my daughter and growing up, right? So um, it has evolved into a family business. I'm doing what Neil Young's doing having back all my masters, all my songs, all the archives that I've had taped and filmed on Hi8 and VHS and being member Beta Cam, Beta Match, all that stuff. All that stuff we've got, we're putting on our website so people then can go to the website. So all that's being put up by her son, who's my grandson, who's a computer wizard, and they're getting all these old machines and putting it all into a hard drive. So be able to go to the Bachman website and see the last 50 years of what I was doing. Wow. Good things are happening. We've got new albums coming out, vinyl is coming out. They're remastering BTO, the first couple of albums, uh, in heavy vinyl with picture discs and everything. And um, and this is uh, the 50th anniversary of BTO. 50th anniversary of BTO, of uh, Not Fragile, You Ain't Seen Nothing, being number one album and single. I can't believe 50 years ago. Man, unbelievable. And I understand that there's been some lost footage discovered and there's talks of a BTO documentary. Well, Back in 1976, we had a couple of guys came and said, you should do a film. So they followed us for about three weeks with, with real cameras, you know, with real film. And uh, we were like the number one band, number one album and single at the time. So when we toured America, we had Bob Seger opening. In England, we had Thin Lizzy. And we filmed it all. When I got my flat in London, I had an open house for my flat, and Giles Martin came and all my musical buddies there, and a lot of producers and songwriters there come there. And in comes a guy named Peter Allies. And he has to be a DVD, and I go, Peter, what are you doing here? He's the guy who did the filming. He produced it back in 1976 for BTO. So he pressed and he said, here it is, here's your movie. Why isn't it released? I said, I don't know. He said, well, I know where the film is stored. There's like 26 canisters. You owe them about $30,000. They've been storing it for 30 years. Will you pay the storage fee? I said, yeah, if I can get it out, it'll be a valuable piece of history. Because they spent weeks with me in my house with my children, and then with Fred Turner, my brother Robbie, and Blair Thornton, and they put it all together. They went on the road and filmed us with Thin Lizzy and then Bob Seger and all the other opening acts that we had. It was really incredible. So now we've got it all that's being restored, and it'll be coming out in probably in two years. We're going to have a big year next year, and then a bigger year later. It'll be the 50th anniversary of BTO movie will be out. I'm remixing live at Japan. We found 18 tracks that no one's ever heard live at the Budokan. We were playing like Led Zeppelin. It was the end of a 93-day tour. Went to Japan for a week. It's amazing. And very close to possibly having Eddie Kramer mix it with me. You know, he's doing the Hendrix stuff. Yeah. And Eddie Kramer did the Stones in Zeppelin. He now lives in Canada. Talking to him about remixing live in BTO in Japan with me. It's going to be killer. Have you ever thought about buying a lottery ticket lately? I buy them and I keep losing. You're doing pretty damn well. I try another business, it doesn't work. Gee, I'd like to own a restaurant. I buy it, it goes under. You've got to do what you love because whether or not you make money, you still love it because you're doing what you love. Right? Well, you've got the beam in your eye, that's for sure. So you're really definitely still enjoying it. God bless you.
And the Vinyl Tap Rock Legend special continues with questions from the audience. I had um, put out word to get, have uh, the folks here uh, send in some questions, and uh, quite a few did. And I'd like to run these by you. And uh, this one is from Gary, although he didn't give me a last name. He says, which one of your songs makes you feel the most upbeat? <laughs> Tough to... The one I write tomorrow. <laughs> no, when you write songs, you're lucky. If you do an album of 12 songs, of one or two catch on radio, and then they catch with the people. Because radio doesn't play, nobody knows you've got an album. That's for the old days. And so if your record of success is 12 rolls of the dice, you have one hit, that's good. Then as you get better, you might have two jackpots out of, out of an album, maybe three or four. And I've been lucky to have five or six with the guest and with BTO. So every song is really special. But I get up every day with an idea and, and write a song. And of course, it's the best song I've ever written because it's, it's the latest one. Like, which one is your favorite child? Yeah. It's the one who was the best yesterday or the best today because the other one was a, was a brat the day before. You know what I mean? So it varies and changes. But there's some songs that do resonate with me. One I wrote alone, She's Come Undone, that has taken on a whole other meaning. And then there's Good Old Taking Care of Business. It's written by accident on stage. And it's like the ultimate party song that everybody in the world knows. At, at one of my, at my signing yesterday, I'm doing like photographs, this little kid showed up, he's about 12, with a hat on, he had a BTO album, and he said, I can play all your songs, they're really easy to play, I said, that's, that's why I play that way, I play it real easy, because, you know, I've been on tour with Eddie Van Halen, warming up in my dressing room, and I'm doing all kind of harmonics and stuff, and he'd stick his head and go, wow, that's great, don't ever play it on stage, they won't understand it, just play your normal, you got to play real, like Keith Richards, you just play real simple stuff that everybody can play, and you sell a lot of records, because the little kids here go, we can play that, and they buy it, and they learn it. Yeah. yeah. I like when you said the other night on stage that the time you met Stephen Stills, and you told him that you uh, ripped off a lot of his riffs, and he said, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could also tell when somebody rips me off. I'm sure you can. Well, listen to uh, Long Train Runner. <laughs> listen to the intro of Long Train Runner by the Doobies. When I wrote Letter Writer, I was in the dressing room in New Orleans with the Doobie Brothers, and I'm showing Fred, da da da, da 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 da. Well, they took the right, da 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 da, and become Long Train Runner. We're sharing. We're franchising the riff, right? There you go. I had a lawsuit once, which is very easily settled, and a lot of people give me tapes. Like, here's my son, here's my own tape. I can't listen to tapes anymore. Because they go in your mind, and if it's really good, you remember it, but you don't remember where it came from. And if I know it and I steal it, I disguise it so you don't know it. <laughs> you, you Canadians are really very honest people. Yes. This is Vinyl Tap on your favorite rock station. I'm Randy Backman, and there's more of the Rock Legends Cruise coming up.
For my chat with Sal to come, I'm Randy Backman, and this is Vinyl Tap on your favorite rock station. One of the other rock legends on the cruise was Roger Daltrey of The Who, one of the greatest singers of rock and roll. He still does the songs in the same key. He still hits the good notes. So it was wonderful to share the cruise with Roger Daltrey. It was incredible. The plan was we were going to do this on Tuesday. And uh, did the guests who and The Who, were they ever on the same bill? We were almost on the same bill. I toured with John Entwistle and Ringo's band, and shortly after that, they were starting a tour that was supposed to start in Vegas or somewhere in San Diego, and it was going to be called Who's On First. And that was the weekend John Entwistle passed away, and it got cancelled. But I had the joy of when I was rehearsing with Ringo's band in Vancouver, they opened a hard rock cafe there, and they asked me to come to the opening, I went there with John and, and did Shake All Over, with Zach on drums and John Entrussell, and we did Shake All Over, which the Who covered and we covered uh, of Johnny Kidd's song. Yeah. So that was fun. Because here I was thinking, wow, I finally did it. I got the Guess Who and the Who on the same stage. This is going to be history in the making on Tuesday, but Roger had to cancel because he was not feeling well. And also, two artists that did two different songs with stuttering in it. Ain't Seen Nothing Yet in My Generation. But it didn't pan out. But uh, yes, you did play with John. Edwards. Also, if you play, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet a lot. But bum bum bum, you ain't seen nothing. You can also sing out here in the fields. Bum bum bum, the same thing. You really are a thief, aren't you? <laughs> Roger would have brought that up if he was here. If he was here. <laughs> My interview with Sal continued, and he asked specifically about a project of mine called Heavy Blues. It featured a power trio and guest appearances from some great, great blues players. Well, it's funny, when you made uh, 2015's Heavy Blues, your instructions uh, to your bassist, Anna Ruddick, and your drummer, Dale and Dale Brendan, Brendan, was to play like the rhythm section of The Who. I want you to play like John Entwistle and Keith Moon. I had gone to see Tommy in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm sitting there and I'm right behind Pete Townsend and I'm watching Tommy. And Pete leans back to me and he goes, the drummer is amazing. Every Keith Lick that's in Tommy, the drummer's playing. And I said, the drummer is a woman, Dale Ann Brendan. She has a drumming school here and she also plays in the pit, you know, in the orchestra pit. And sure enough, we go backstage, she's got her own room with all her drums, she's written out the charts and every Keith Moon lick. And I say to her, I'm doing a blues album I don't want to use my normal guys. I want to use something. To, I want to do a power trio album, guitar, bass, and drums. And you play like Keith Moon, John Bonham. Great. And then I go to the Junos, and the, I go the night before to see a, a country band who are basically called Ladies of the Canyon. They're like the female version of Neil Young and Crazy Horse. 
and there's a tall bass player who's wearing a John and Joseph t-shirt. And she's playing bass and she sings and she looks really good. So the next day I meet her at lunch. And I say, well, tell me about your bass playing. She said, well, I studied bass at McGill, and I love John Angel. He's one of the greatest bass players. And I said, well, I've got a drummer that's like Keith Moon, and if you'll come, I want to do this Power Trio album. All I want you to do is play like John Entwistle, and I'm going to write a new blues song every day. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to write it. I'll play it for you. I'm getting a great producer named Kevin Shirley, who did all the Led Zeppelin remixes and all the ACDC remixes. He's an Australian guy. And I had a week with Kevin Shirley. So we cut the album in a week. We came in every day, and I played one or two songs. Once, we recorded the next time. And then Kevin Shirley says, I'm going to take it home and do a rough mix, and you can come in in two months, and you can come and you'll hear the remixes, and we'll mix the album. And I might get my neighbor to play on it, on a song. I say, great, get your neighbor to play. A week later, he sends me a song, and I go, this is incredible. Who's your neighbor? He says, Joe Bonamassa. Like, oh, wow. Wow, that's pretty cool. And he says, look, you know a couple of guys. I think I just did Peter Frampton's Guitar Circus with him and Robert Randolph. I'll ask them. So I asked Peter Frampton, what do you want to play in the song? You played on the song Heavy Blues. I said, I went to Robert Randolph, who's a sweet guy. And I same thing, just play. I'll make a big solo in the middle. It's four minutes long. And I'll just take your best licks and shorten the solo. When I got back from them what they sent, I said, I'm not shortening these songs, I'm leaving them. Frampton, the same thing. I just left it all. Then I called Neil Young and he did a track. Uh, Jeff Healy did a track, which was pretty amazing. He and I had recorded earlier, live at Massey Hall, and I called his, his wife, his widow, and said, could I use early in the morning a B.B. King song that he did as an encore? And I was there with him and Duke Rubillard were doing a guitar thing at Massey Hall. And can I just use his track? And I'll write a song to fit his track. She said, that would be great. And I said, then Jeff will be on my album with, you know, with Peter Frampton and Neil Young and Joe Bonamas and stuff. She said, okay. So the Heavy Blues album was really cool. It was just a, one, a great fun project for me. I wrote a different blues song every single night. They all have a different groove. But the, the, the ladies who play the bass and drums are just incredible.
it's, uh, it's great to see you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. The stories are just endless. And uh, Randy Backman, thank you very much, and all the best thank tonight. Thank you. Lots of luck with everything. Real pleasure. Randy Backman, and this has been a special interview with Sal from Classic Rock Radio in New York City. It all happened on the 2023 Rocks Legends Cruise. Special thanks to interviewer Sal and the folks who organized the Rock Legends Cruise 2023. Keep the boat rocking and rolling and think and do something nautical. 